Okay, we are starting a new series, which really starts properly next week, called Why Bother, which is going to be a kind of a foundational series, uh, having had so much disruption uh, to life and church life over the last five months, we thought it would be good to have a couple of months where we kind of really get back to basics, and so we're going to be looking at some basic stuff. Why bother to pray? Why bother to read the Bible? Why bother to meet? Why bother to worship? All those kind of things, just getting back to some basics. And uh, this evening's message is a bit of a kind of an intro to that series, a bit of a, a link into that, and it's uh, Why Bother with Gateway? And I was really inspired on this theme, uh, reading a commentary. Something I like to do as part of my devotions, and at the moment I'm reading this commentary on the Gospel of John by Frederick Bruno. This is a pretty bit of a, a beast of a commentary, this one, a big fat one. But I'm only reading a couple of pages a day, and I'd expect something like this maybe take a year to get through it. Just read a couple of pages a day, and you can get through a really big fat book. Obviously, there's um, lots of smaller alternatives, um, things like Phil Moore's little series of commentaries, Straight to the Hearts, those are called, which are thin books. Read a page or two of, of one of those each morning. Helps you just to get into the Bible and understand the Bible more. So I'd really encourage you to think about that as part of your own spiritual life. And uh, as I was reading in Frederick Brunner's great big commentary from the story, story in John 10, I felt really inspired about this theme of Gateway, which is obviously our name as a church, and I uh, wanted to speak about that today. So we're going to be in John chapter 10, and uh, the words should appear on the screen Um, But you can follow along in your Bibles as well. John chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, the context in which Jesus was speaking and uh, giving these words was just after an amazing miracle had happened. You read John chapter 9, and the whole of John chapter 9 is about this amazing miracle where Jesus heals a man who had been born blind. It's an absolutely extraordinary miracle. And one of the things which we might not spot or might not even know is that in the Bible stories, Jesus is the only person who ever heals someone who is blind. None of the Old Testament prophets ever healed a blind person, and we've got no record of any of the apostles ever healing a blind person, which doesn't mean that they didn't, it's just not recorded. But we know that Jesus healed blind people, and actually this was a miracle that Jesus did more than any other. 
healing the blind. So there's something being told us here that this is more than just the fact that Jesus was giving physical sight to this particular man and other people. There's something here about the way that Jesus is opening people's eyes spiritually. That's really what's going on. And in this story, there'd been this amazing physical deliverance, a man born blind who now can see, but it was also a powerful spiritual sign. The man sees, but the Pharisees are blind. They refuse to have their eyes opened. And the thing about this amazing healing, this man born blind, is that Jesus really turns up the temperature in his conflict with the Pharisees. Because Jesus did this miracle on the Sabbath. And what we have are the Pharisees who were meant to be the official shepherds of the people. They are the religious leaders. They're the Bible scholars. They're meant to be shepherds of the people, but they're spiritually blind. And they don't see a healed man and a remarkable healer. What they see is a Sabbath breaker. And that's a problem for them. Now, It's a little bit hard for us to understand the kind of depth of feeling about the Sabbath that the Pharisees had. And actually, their concern for the Sabbath was, at root, a good one. Uh, God had brought his people out of slavery, the thing we've been looking at the last few weeks, out of the wilderness. He'd brought his people out of slavery. He'd brought them out of slavery for Sabbath. Sabbath is rest. It's enjoyment in God, of God, and all of God's good creation. And God had brought his people out of slavery in Egypt to enjoy the Sabbath of coming into the land which he gave to them. And the people were then meant to keep the Sabbath one day a week as a memorial and as a time for them to really dig into that hope and that promise. This is a place of rest, not a place of slavery. This is a place of abundance, not of limitation. And if you've been reading Nehemiah in our community Bible reading the last few days, you might have noticed how much concern there is about the Sabbath being kept in Nehemiah 10. It says, when the neighboring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day. There is a concern, as Jerusalem was reestablished under Nehemiah, that they kept the Sabbath because this is about our freedom. It's a day when we're... This demonstrates that Pharaoh and no other power has tyranny over us anymore. We're free people. We're Sabbath people. That's what Sabbath is meant to be about. But the problem with the Pharisees was that they were missing the point of the Sabbath. What was meant to be a day of freedom had actually been turned back into a form of slavery. Something that was good had actually become an idol to them. And so now Jesus heals a man born blind, which is a Sabbath day thing. Somebody coming into freedom, and all these Pharisees can do is say, he's broken the Sabbath, he shouldn't heal. You can heal on the other six days, don't heal on this day. And Jesus says that they have become other wayers rather than gateways. They're trying to get to God the wrong way. And Jesus speaks against these other ways. He speaks to the Pharisees. And what he says about them actually is a point which holds true for all time. That if you're an other way, if you try and come to God any other way than Jesus, what you're doing is thievery. You're a rip-off artist. That's what Jesus accused the Pharisees of being. These are religious leaders for whom 
something other than Jesus Christ has become the most important thing. And people like that, religious leaders like that, they dishonor God and they harm people. And this can happen as it happened for the Pharisees when traditions or denominational affiliation or culture become more important than Jesus Christ. John records this in his gospel in uh, John's second letter, which I was reading in Community Bible reading this week. John says this, Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. What John is doing here in his second letter is really repeating what Jesus says in John chapter 10. If somebody says you can get to God by any way other than Jesus, they're not a gateway, they're an other way. They're a thief and a ripper rip-off artist, a con artist, don't accept them, don't welcome them, don't believe that teaching. And the, the tragic point is that, of course, the Pharisees would never have thought that they were other ways. They thought they were doing things right. And what we see here is that as Jesus physically heals this man, the Pharisees remain spiritually blind. They don't see Jesus. They don't see that he is the true gate. But Jesus is the gate, and we're called to be gateways, not other ways. We're not to be wall climbers trying to get in. No, we're to come through the gate that is Christ. Now, it says in verse 6 of uh, John 10 that Jesus is using a figure of speech. He's using picture language. He's talking about sheepfolds and gates and people climbing over walls and thieves and robbers. It's picture language. And it might seem a little bit confusing, actually, because in verse 7, Jesus says that he is the gate. And then in verse 3, he says that the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. Now, that might seem a little bit confusing. I think when Jesus says this, what he's meaning is that the gatekeeper is the Holy Spirit. Back in John 4, when Jesus sits at the well with the uh, Samaritan woman. He tells her that the way to come to God, the way to know the Father is through the Spirit and truth. The Spirit is the gatekeeper. He opens the gate. And uh, I think as well as talking about himself as the gate and the Holy Spirit as the gatekeeper who opens the gate, I think there's also an application here for the shepherds of the flock. The Pharisees were meant to be shepherds of the flock. But they failed in that because of their spiritual blindness. Jesus is the chief shepherd, but then he appoints under-shepherds to help care for his flock. This is what I, Nathaniel, and the other elders are appointed to do here at Gateway Church. Now, in the commentary I've been reading, it says this, It is the gatekeeper spirit who opens the gate, Christ, to gatewaying shepherds and gives them access to the sheep of God. That's the role of pastors. That's the role of elders in the church. We're called, Nathaniel, myself, Paul Gordon, uh, Richard and John, we're called to be gateweighing shepherds. That's what we're called to be, gateweighing shepherds. And uh, what I'm trusting as we look at this passage as I speak is that as I have come to the gate Christ, the gatekeeper's spirit 
will enable you to listen to the voice of the shepherd, Jesus. The role of the elders in the church is to bring you to the gateway so you can come in and see Christ. And Jesus says that those who are his sheep will run away from other wayers. They'll run from those who are not coming in through the gate but trying to get in by another way. And we can see the truth of that. If we stop preaching Christ, the church will empty. Churches die when Christ stops being preached. We have to come in by the gate. We have to be faithful to the gate. And there are other ways which can look easier or more attractive or maybe more contemporary. It's easy for churches to fall into these kind of mistakes where we start to think, well, really, what is the church? Really, the church is just a kind of a, a voluntary branch of social services. That's why we exist, just to do good things in the community. Or when we start to say things like, what we really want, all we really want is just some practical how-tos. Just, just tell us how to make life a bit better. Tell us how to sort out our marriages and our kids and how to get on at work and to do all the practical stuff. Just, just stop talking about Jesus so much and just give us some how-tos. Or sometimes it might even be that we just say, what I'm really looking for, for is some distraction, some entertainment. I wish the preaching was funnier so that I can be more entertained. That's what I really need. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those things to a degree. As a church, we're very involved in serving the community, and we want to equip you to navigate the realities and the difficulties of life. And I don't want to be boring when I'm speaking, but any way other than the gate, anything other than Jesus, in the end, is thievery. It's a ripoff. It's a con. And the Pharisees just don't get what Jesus is talking about. It seems that they're so blinded by their own certainties that they just can't see the truth of Jesus. This is so tragic. They're imagining that they're serving God when actually they're missing him entirely. They're not gateways. They're other ways. And so Jesus rams it home. He's emphatic about it. Verse 7, he says, Therefore, listen again, I am the gate. I am the gate. Now when John uses that phrase, when he records that phrase of Jesus throughout his gospel, I am, he's always pointing us to Christ's claim of divinity. I am is the unspeakable name of God. Yahweh, I am who I am. And Jesus says, I am the gate. He's making this divine claim for who he is. And he's saying, there's no other way to God except through me. There's no other way to life. Every other way, every other claim is other weighing. And so we are called to be gateway church, not other way church. Something else fascinating which Jesus says here, which is that being a gatewayer is not just about coming into the sheepfold, but it's about going out from the sheepfold. Look at this. In verse 3, he says, He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And in verse 9, he says, They will come in and go out and find pasture. There's a story recorded in the commentary I've been reading about someone who was traveling in Palestine in the 19th century when things were much more still as they would have been in Jesus' day. 
and uh, describes this experience of staying with some shepherds. I was staying the night in some shepherds' tents in Gilead. The tents, to the number of 10 or 12, were pitched in a wide circle, enclosing a considerable area. In the evening, some six or seven flocks were brought within the camp for protection. In the morning, when the time came for the shepherds to take their charges out to pasture, instead of attempting to separate their respective flocks from the crowd of goats and sheep scattered over the enclosed space, each man went a little way beyond the ring of tents, and standing there, uttered his special call. Instantly, the whole mass of sheep and goats was in motion. And as the shepherds continued to call, the several flocks separated themselves and streaming out from the camp in the direction of their respective guides. And in five minutes, not a goat or sheep remained inside. Looking again shortly afterwards, the various flocks could be seen diverging to all the points of the compass, each following its own shepherds. So, beautiful picture. All these flocks, the shepherds call, and the sheep know who to follow. You come into the sheepfold by the gates. There's no other way. You enter by the gate, and you're saved. You're kept safe. You're protected. And you go out through the gate into the world. The gate is there for the salvation of the world. And what gateways do is not just huddle inside the sheepfold, but go out through the gate into the world. And so we need to see what coming through this gate means. There's a, there's a vertical dimension to coming through the gate. It means that we're safe with God. It means our salvation is complete, that we're secure in God. We're reconciled to God. You come to God through the gate, through Christ, and you're in this place of security in God. There's also a horizontal dimension that we're called to go out into the world and flourish. We're called to go out and find pasture. We're called into this life where we know peace with God and we know freedom in our lives and we find meaning with other people and we actually know what it is to find pasture wherever it is that God, our shepherd, calls us out into the world. In the home, in the workplace, in our social lives, we find pasture because we're being led by our good shepherd. That's what it means to be gateways. So, why bother with gateway? Well, our church is actually named in the hope that people would enter into relationship with God. They come through the gates because of our life and witness. We changed the name of our church about 12 years ago to Gateway because of that. It actually came in response to a prophetic word that came to us as a church where somebody prophesied over us and said, God wants you to touch Paul. Of course, now we talk about the whole of BCP. By the power of the Holy Spirit and be a gateway into the kingdom of God. That's what we feel called to. And so being gateways means this. First thing is it means that we preach Christ alone. Uh, Frederick Brunner says, Teaching him consistently and faithfully will attract, bring in, protect, free, bring out, feed, and lead the people of God into a life of authenticity, reality, and satisfaction. That's what we want to do. That's what we want our preaching to accomplish. Thieves kill and destroy, even if their intention is apparently to do good. Now, we are not going to stop talking about Jesus 
at Gateway Church. So there can't be anything more important, anything more central than talking about Jesus, making him known. He alone is the gates. Anything else is thievery and a con. So being gateway means that we preach Christ alone. Secondly, it means knowing fellowship with Jesus. Gateways come in through the gates. We're called into a life of knowing strangers, not being strangers to him. When he speaks, we hear his voice and we follow him. We want to be gateways in this. We want to know him, to recognize his call and follow him to pasture. We're called to fellowship with him. Third thing being a gateway means is knowing fellowship with one another. We're called into a sheepfold, not into private accommodation. You come into a relationship with God, you come through the gate, and it's not that God says, oh, that's great, now here's your personal private ensuite room where you don't have to have anything to do with anyone else. And there's room service available if you need it. No, you're called into a sheepfold, which is a different deal altogether. A sheepfold, the sheep are tight, packed up against one another. There's not much privacy or, or social distancing in a sheepfold. And we Christians are meant to be up close and personal with one another. The coronavirus has disrupted the sheepfold. We've uh, kept together as a church, praise God, but at a distance. And we need to relearn proximity to one another, even as we're having to do things like we are here, with sitting at an appropriate distance and all the rest. This is one of the reasons why our physical gatherings are so important. It's one of the reasons why, as elders, we were so keen to start meeting physically again and want to do more of that, because actually we're, we're called into fellowship with one another. And a part of the way that is experienced and demonstrated is by actually being physically in the same room together. It is different from doing it online. Doing things online has been such a blessing and so much that's been so good, but it's not the same. Sheep don't zoom each other. They pack into the sheepfold. And the fourth thing that gatewayers do is to go out into the world. Gatewayers never forget who they belong to. Gatewayers go out of the gate, and they don't forget their sheep belonging to the shepherd. They don't start acting like people from a different flock. No, they remember who they are, they go out into the world as sheep belonging to Jesus, but they feel secure as they do that. Feel secure in the sheepfold, and they feel secure out at pasture. The world is a dangerous place for sheep, but not with our shepherds. We have a shepherd who is able to care for us and look after us and guard us and keep us. And this means that at Gateway Church, we're always going to encourage one another to engage with the world, not just huddle together in the sheepfold, but to get out into the world and make Jesus known. We're going to be good news. We're going to proclaim life. Now, through coronavirus, many of us have had more opportunity to do that. It's given us opportunities. Lots of us set up WhatsApp groups in our streets and that kind of thing and have connected with neighbors. And that's sometimes gone better and sometimes gone worse. And sometimes I know there have been great opportunities to make Christ known. And other times it's not been so easy. But we are called to engage with our world, not hide away from it. We're to proclaim Christ, to know Christ, and know one another. And we're to go into the world with Christ. That's what gatewayers do. We're not other way church. We're gateway church. Knowing our shepherds. Knowing the gates, Jesus Christ.
Amen.